Welcome to the Hudson Wesleyan Church Podcast, a recording of the weekly messages of Pastor Wesley Rowan during the Sunday worship service. We trust the time you spend listening will enhance your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, here is Pastor Wes. Um, If you're just joining us, by the way, or if you're listening to the podcast, um, the reason you missed the first few minutes is we had a computer malfunction, so you're just going to have to use your imagination uh, on that. By the way, I did mention during announcement time, if you usually get our podcast, if you're listening to this through our podcast, if for some reason after this week you're no longer able to get it, just go back into your podcast server and search for us again. Um, We switch podcast um, feeds to a new, better format. Um, it's still available through Amazon, through uh, iTunes, and through Spotify, but it's just gonna, you're going to have to research for it if it doesn't come up in your feed. iTunes should be fine. The other two you might have to resubscribe to. Um, and if for some reason you're using the feed burner or the blog, the blogger feed, RSS feed, which are the oldest versions that we had out there, those are no longer available. You have to subscribe through iTunes podca- uh, podcasts or Spotify or Amazon podcasts, okay? So we're in Matthew chapter 13. Jesus has said the kingdom of heaven is, is like yeast which a woman took and hid into three pecks of flour until it was leavened. And then uh, Matthew goes on to say that Jesus was only speaking in parables about the kingdom of heaven. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables and will utter things that were hidden since the foundation of the world. Jesus is telling them things that even though God has been in relationship with his people for centuries, he's telling them things that they haven't yet learned. They were hidden, but he's speaking them in parables. And this one might be the briefest of all of them. The kingdom of heaven is like a woman who took some leaven or some yeast and put it into the bread, the flour, the mix of bread, until it was all raised. That's the story. This isn't the, the, the prodigal son story that goes on for quite some time. This isn't even the story of the seed that's being sown that takes up maybe eight or ten verses. It's not that. It's just this one little picture. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, it's a little short story, a short verse. It'll be a short sermon. And I admire your optimism. Um, but really, it's quite simple. The kingdom, whatever the kingdom is going to be, it is going to look like something that wouldn't be that noticeable. But it's transformative. Last week, we talked about that mustard seed. And how the potential for what the kingdom can do is not measured in what we see or by what we would determine to be valuable. So let's get into this, and we're going to talk about the idea of the yeast. First of all, earthly power is usually seen from our perspective in terms of leverage. Usually we see power in terms of leverage. What can you do? What does your position afford you to be able to do? Who do you know? I can still remember my government teacher in high school saying, why do you think that so many people work so hard in order to attain the office of President of the United States? It is not the best paying job in our country. You can make a whole lot more money and other things than being president. In fact, most presidents make a whole lot more money before they get into office and a whole lot more money after they get out of office than they ever would just by being the president. 
Why do you think people care so much? It's because our and our earthly perspective is seen as leverage. What can I do? What can I accomplish? How, how can I leverage my position, my desires, my place to get accomplished what I want to have accomplished? So when we see power that way, then we usually see growth as a sign of power. If something is getting bigger, if it's doing well, if it's more impressive, if it's overwhelming, if it's... We say, wow, that must be something. There must be some substance to that. There must be some power behind that. Something that's impressive. Something that is been promoted and made to seem like it's really a big deal. You turn on the television, commercial after commercial, trying to convince you that the thing that they have is really a powerful thing for you. So we start to see growth as power. We want to see our churches grow. We want to see the kingdom grow. And so we start to think of it in earthly terms that we are going to have to power our way into growth. Or even for the individual. You want to grow spiritually? We start, if we're looking at it from a human perspective, we start to think it's something I've got to do. I'm going to have to buckle down and do, be, become, wrestle through. But all of those ideas are earthly ideas of power. The kingdom sees growth as a sign that something is living, not just that something is powerful. Think about it. The yeast that the woman takes and puts into the dough the dough is not living. It's a substance. In fact, what's in the dough that was living, the wheat, is now dead. That's why it was harvested. Right? You don't harvest wheat when it's living. You harvest it when it's done. Right? Farmers don't go out and harvest, right? When stuff comes up, they wait for it to mature. Right? So the dough is not growing, it's not living. The kingdom sees growth not as power, but as life. Because the yeast that you take and you put into that dough, the yeast is alive. It's reproducing. Small, single cells that are reproducing. And what happens in that dough as that living yeast begins to reproduce? It makes the dough, which is dead, begin to grow. What if growth, my personal spiritual growth, the growth of the church, the growth of the kingdom, is not about our ability to power through, but our acceptance of something that makes even dead things live that's the kingdom that's the yeast 
That's what Jesus was talking about. So the heavenly kingdom, not measured by power or leverage, but rather the heavenly kingdom is leveraged or is, is measured, I'm sorry, by transformation. It still never really ceases to amaze me that you can put a lump of dough into a pan with the yeast in it and walk away and come back and the new substance looks nothing like what you left there. It doesn't. It has transformed. It has grown. It has conformed to the pan that you left it in. There's another sermon right there we don't have time for this morning. But when the, when the dough is raising, what does it do? It follows the parameters of the pan. Now sometimes, if you forget that you left it raising, what happens? We, 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 over, we overflow the pan, don't we? Right? We've got to kind of punch it down a little bit and let it, let it start over. But in the kingdom, we are measuring not by power, not by leverage, not by accomplishment, not by checklists. We are measuring by transformation. That's why here at Hudson Wesleyan we say, the really the only thing that we're after are transformed lives. You've been walking with Jesus for 50 years? I hope you're still being transformed. You've been walking with Jesus for five days? I hope you're being transformed. Transformed lives. So the kingdom of heaven is like a transformation that happens when something living gets into something that's dead. Our lives should be changed. So growth might take many forms because that transformation looks differently in different circumstances. How often have we been wanting for people to fit the mold of our pan before we really would consider them being transformed. We wanted them at a threshold, a certain level. But that's not the example that comes from the kingdom. The kingdom says, we're all being transformed. And some of us are just barely starting to raise. And some of us are overflowing our boundaries. And some of us are being affected by the circumstances around this. I remember we met a baker who was in, in when we went uh, i was on sabbatical in florida took elizabeth to a, a french bakery there uh, in florida where we were and uh the gentleman uh who's french and he, was, he had been doing this for a career he told us that um when you're cooking you cook based on how you want it to taste but when you're baking you follow the recipe because he said every detail of baking is affected by the environment around it. He said the, the recipes that I use here in this part of Florida, I could not use the same amounts and get the same results where you live in Michigan or over in Europe. They're affected differently by the environment. So you've got to find the recipe that works for where your environment is and then stick to it. Don't seasoning to taste that's not what baking is that's cooking i thought that was really important the heavenly kingdom then 
the transformation that is happening in our lives or even in our churches should see transformation that might take on different forms. So where is the change happening? It's happening in the growth. And sometimes, you ever looked at a loaf of bread after the yeast had been in it for a while and it hasn't raised much? Certainly not as much as you thought that it would. Has that happened to you? And then you walk away for maybe an hour, don't think much about it, and you come back and all of a sudden, here it looks different. <coughs> sometimes, things are happening on the inside that we haven't noticed yet. But we should be changing. <coughs> we should be changing. Has nothing changed for you in the time that you've had a relationship with Jesus? Are you pretty much the same person that you were? Oh, I hope not. The parable would suggest that if you are, that's not the kingdom. Because when we encounter the kingdom, it starts to change us. Maybe, maybe at an incremental level, maybe at an internal level, but the change will happen. Earthly strength Earthly strength is considered measurable and visible. Don't we like to, uh, to quantify things? Don't we love, and especially in our society, we like to quantify things. Give us a measurement. Give us a, give us a tabulation. Give us a, something so we know that something is happening, right? We measure our bank accounts. We measure our retirement accounts. We, we measure our... Uh, sizes of our community, the, the, uh, and, and the school systems, we have to measure everything. The state would have us me measure absolutely everything, even stuff that doesn't matter. They want it all measured. They want statistics. Visible. And that's okay. It's okay to say that growth should be measurable and visible, except that that mindset from an earthly perspective usually leads us then to just wanting to determine winners and losers. Who's got it, who doesn't? Who measures up, who fails? Who advances, who falls behind? But in the kingdom, the measurement is not just the statistic. It's not even just how impressive does it look. We were talking not that long ago with July 4th just having passed. I was talking with some folks about... Um, A fireworks display, I think it was in San Francisco, uh, but I don't remember for sure, where every, all the fireworks went off at once. And I don't mean like they accidentally lit off like a handful of fireworks at once or like this was a small town event and, and they just all had... We're talking about probably tens and tens of thousands of dollars worth of fireworks that went off in about 45 seconds. It was an impressive display. YouTube it. You'll say, wow, most impressive fireworks display you've ever seen. But the visibility and the measurement of its performance, if you will, was not a sign that things were right. It was a sign that something had gone horribly wrong. So we must be careful. 
and how we view the visible. Because heavenly power is unseen and yet noticeable. My friends, the kingdom of heaven is not something that you are hoping to get to someday. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. It is here. It is among us. But it is unseen. But it changes you. And so it is visible. If we simply co-opt the metrics of the fallen world, then we're not in Christ's kingdom. And churches have been guilty of this, my friends. We have wanted to co-opt every metric that the world has told us means something is successful. And I don't mean that churches should be able to just skate by and get by without caring whether or not they're really doing the work of the kingdom. There are some things that indicate unhealthy churches or unhealthy spiritual lives. They do exist. So I'm not saying that those don't matter. But what I'm saying is the kingdom looks at the whole mess differently than the world looks at it. It's unseen, yet noticeable. Because the first will be last. You've heard me preach this before, but I'll revisit it for a quick second. That verse does not mean the first will be last and the last will be first so that when we get to heaven, God's going to take everybody from the end of the line and promote them. No. What it means is we've got the line backwards in our minds. The people who are last are actually already first. God's not going to promote the last ones to the front of the line, he's going to start at the back of the line. Do you see the difference? So maybe we should not be judging how many firsts we have, maybe by how many lasts we have. Maybe we shouldn't be judging by how impressive we are. Maybe we should be judging by how much we reflect how impressive God is. You see, it's a different... It's similar. It's right there. It sounds the same, but when you're looking at it from the perspective of the kingdom, it is entirely different. Maybe we should not be measuring by how big we can look, but rather by how threatened we are to be humble. Do you hear? Does the idea of taking a back seat threaten us? If it does, then the metrics of the kingdom would say we're not where we ought to be. The metrics of the world would say, press forward, push, achieve, get, do, become. Polish your own halo. Right? That is not what the Son of God, who sat in the throne room of the divine, was himself divine, and set aside his heavenly glory to condescend on a creation that had walked away from him, this is the example that we have from him. The metrics are different. And finally, kingdom leadership 
then must be developed from the inside out. Oh, how we have gotten this wrong in the church. If the leaven or the yeast goes into the bread, in, in one version of Scripture it says was hidden in the bread or in the dough, where you can't see it, but it makes all the difference in the transformation, then guess what? Leadership has to be developed from the inside out. You have a job to do. You have to hire someone to do a job. You have a place of employment looking for employees. The number one thing that has become the most obvious that is necessary when hiring someone to do a task is are they a person you can trust? You can teach people to do a lot of things. You cannot teach them to be trustworthy. You cannot teach them character. Character is a transformational thing that's happening on the inside. I've had the opportunity to be in some positions where I have to interact with and sometimes even make decisions about people in authority and determine who's best to lead and put in positions of authority. I will take a person of character every time if I can find them. Oh, I hope they're good at their job but I really hope they're not going to steal me blind while my back is turned. Right? How much more important for kingdom leadership? We have spent so much time teaching pastors and thereby teaching our people how to be and how to do and how to achieve and how to metric and how to be successful that we have forgotten to teach them to be transformed individuals from the inside out. John Wesley put it this way. Give me 100 preachers who fear nothing but sin, desire nothing but God, and I cannot, I care not a straw whether they're clergymen or laymen. Such alone will shake the gates of hell and set up the kingdom of heaven on earth. Give me 100 men and women. But sin and desire nothing but God, and it will rattle the world. He was right, you know. Jesus did it with 12. Hate nothing but, or fear nothing but sin. Run from it, and desire nothing but God. That's inside out. I'm glad for the skills that I learned about pastoring when I was in school. But do you know what? I'm going to be honest with you. I would that they had spent a lot more time focusing on how to make sure that my soul was well. I do. My friends, I want you to be really good at whatever you do. And I want our church to be really good at what we do. And we try to be. We believe in giving our best. Right? We're going to see that played out over the next few weeks. We want to do a vacation Bible school that's the best that we can do. Okay? But ultimately, in your spiritual life, in our church, in the secular aspects of work and society... I hope that you are not developed so much by skill set as you are by transformation. Let me give you 
One more example, and then we will end. <clears throat> you ever gone to a either a, a set, like for a play, or been involved in theater in some way, or maybe you've gone to a um, museum, and there's displays out. And you might see on the table... But what do we know about food that has to be able to set out on stage for weeks and weeks of rehearsal and a few weeks of production? What do we know about that food that has to be on that table? It better be fake, because it isn't going to last. A loaf of bread fresh out of the oven is delicious, but it's only going to be that way for a few hours. If there's a display at the museum... It's got to sit there day after day after day. They can't be breaking a, making a fresh loaf every day to put out on that table. So it's not real. Now suppose that you walked into that setup not knowing why it had been placed there. All you see is the loaf of bread. You pick it up to take a bite. What's going to happen? Well, you're going to be, it's going to taste disgusting at, at the minimum. And you may be visiting the dentist, Right? Or the, or the ER, if you actually start to digest it. It looks great, but its purpose was just for looks. It wasn't actual dough. It didn't have any yeast in it. Its raising was completely artificial. It was just designed that way. What we want to be is not something that's just made to sit out and look good, like, wow, that, that's, that's impressive. I hope we make Jesus look impressive. I really do. But ultimately, if we aren't a genuine artifact, if we're not really growing ourselves, it's not going to matter. And here's how it happens. Go all the way back to the Passover in the Old Testament. What were they told to do with their bread when they were, going to the, when they were getting ready to leave Egypt? Don't take time to let it raise. And so the Passover meal was always celebrated with unleavened bread. Pointing forward to the time when the true lamb would come and sacrifice, having just participated in that meal of Passover with his disciples, right? And that he would give them the ultimate exodus from sin into his kingdom. Even when we are doing our best to follow all the rules and to live right, you know what we're still missing? The life. The transformation. What Pierce read for us this morning. Hey, you're doing church, right? James says. You're doing church. You're gathering together. You're worshiping. You're reading the scriptures. But here's the problem. It's flat, it's dead, it's fake. Because someone comes into your community and they, from the worldly standards, look impressive and you celebrate them. And then someone comes in and from the worldly perspective they don't look as impressive 
and what? You ignore them. It's fake. It's flat. It's not real. What do we need? We need the yeast of the kingdom. We don't just need to be brought out of sin. We need to be transformed from the inside out. There's a couple of response questions and I think a prayer there in your notebook if you want to look at them as you get ready to leave this morning. I hope that you will take advantage of that. Just some time to stop and think and ask God, what is it that you want to do to make me like that? Let's pray. Lord, we celebrate your life-giving power in us. And we embrace your way of doing things, of seeing things, of being. But Lord, we need you to be transforming us individually and as a church. We want to see lives changed for your kingdom. So fill us with the life of Christ, we pray. Help us to not be the same people we were when you found us. And we give all the praise and the glory and the honor to you. In Christ's name, amen. This message is a ministry of Hudson Wesleyan Church, where our mission is to see lives transformed for the glory of God. For more information, you may contact the church at 517-448-6411 or at hudsonwesleyan.org. Thank you for listening, and may God richly bless you.